Welcome to the Become Revolutionary Show, where we pull back the curtain and talk to successful entrepreneurs and industry leaders about their journey to success, the process of entrepreneurship, and the adversity they've encountered along the way. With your hosts, Charlene and Noel, and their amazing guests from all over the globe, you will feel right at home and part of the entrepreneurial tribe while hearing about the ups, downs, curves, and missteps in these stories and how it all ultimately contributes to success in business and life. Join us now as entrepreneurs support other entrepreneurs. Stronger together, further, faster. Welcome to the Become Revolutionary show, where we talk to you about how to get over those hurdles to become revolutionary in life and business. We're your hosts, Noelle and Charlene, and today's topic is all about coming alive on camera. That's right, guys. And today we're here with the fabulous Lisa Monette. Uh, she is a social media video coach and a growth strategist who helps people come alive on camera, um, creating content that engages and connects with audiences. She's been personally responsible for millions of dollars of sales and recruiting, including her pink trophy on wheels from Mary Kay Cosmetics with sales close to a million, keynote training along with five-figure launches. She's worked on teams and training with elite superstars such as Tony Robbins, top celebrity voice coach Roger Love, ABC, NBC, Academy Awards, Emmy clients, film pro Travis Shields, Brendan Bouchard's film guru, and Hollywood real producer Jay Menez, and so many more. You guys, today Lisa is going to show us how we can be more confident on camera and she's going to talk about what adversity she's overcome in this process of becoming revolutionary and helping other people show up in their zone of genius brilliantly and having confidence with their voice. So welcome, Lisa. Hey, wow, that's a long one. Is that all me? That's pretty cool. <laughs> I love that. Look at you. You didn't even take a breather. I was good. <laughs> Well, there's so much more than just that, as we all know, and I'm sure we'll come out throughout our conversation today. But yeah, I mean, why don't we just start with that, with your backstory? What adversity can you think of that you overcame that propelled you on this journey? Wow. I, that's such a beautiful question. So thanks for asking. I don't know about you, but you know, when you're over 50, you have had a lot of experiences or you haven't, but I definitely haven't. One of the ones when you, you ladies were asking me to think about that. One of the stories I have is okay. Check this out. So have you guys ever ice skated? You're up in Canada. Are you guys ice skaters? No, no. Yes. you're not skaters. <laughs> Never there's something I just found out about. You've never ice skated? Well, I've ice skated. I, I well, skated is a loaded term. Not, I don't, <laughs> I don't exactly. stand up and skate. See, like wobble. See, yeah. Even the subject of ice skating is causes trauma. Okay. <laughs> so when I was a little girl, about 10 years old, I was mesmerized with ice skating. I don't know how I got into it, but my mother was working full-time in her own beauty salon. And my dad, you know, was full-time working at LAPD. So they were busy people. And my mom was pretty unique in those eras, but a lot of women didn't. They were mostly stay at home, you know, mothers in that time. That's how old I am. But anyway, so my little friend, Judy and her mother uh, wanted, they were going to drive Judy to ice skating. They said, Oh, do you guys want to take lessons together? So I took lessons with Judy. Um, she sucked on the ice. She was awful. I was really <laughs> talented. Poor Judy. My, our coach though was, uh, 
a uh, ice skating performer for the ice capades. Did you guys have ice capades up in Canada? Loved it. Yes, we had ice capades in Canada. Love it. Great. So here, so here's my coach, and I just thought, oh, she's in the ice capades and she's coaching, and she had an agent, and he was French agent. I think it was I think he was Canadian because his name was what was his name uh, Pierre, something like Pierre, and he was an agent for the ice capades. I think it was her agent and for the, got people into, you know, looking at them for possibly being in the Olympics. So they came to my parents and they said, you know, we really think Lisa should stay in skating because she's really good. Well, Judy decided she didn't like skating with me and she quit. And so her mother quit and I had to quit. So you ask yourself, here it is a million years later, is that traumatic in your life? But one of the things that I was so blessed with, and this does lead to why, I've overcome so many uh, adversities in my life and how life is just, you know, amazing. These stories, right? So I was so upset by this, you know, I just thought, Oh my God. But what I was so lucky is that I was in Pasadena. It was called the ice palace. You can Google it. And the ice palace had famous ice skaters that grew up there like Peggy Fleming and just like all these people. So great skaters were in the rink. And I think at 10 years old, I started to realize I want great coaching. I want to be around great people. And then my mother cut it off. My parents, they didn't do it abusively. They were beautiful. They're like, Oh, she doesn't need it. I went, whoa. So that really hit me. That's one little drama that I had to get, you know, therapy over. You know, I didn't know what it meant at 10. But as I got older, I also took ice, uh, um, sorry, dancing. So I've been taking dancing since I was three years old. I'm born in Hollywood from Los Angeles. And being around creatives, you know, and all that, it was beautiful. But again, in my era, there was no dance opportunities, believe it or not, because there was no MTV then. You know, there wasn't all this stuff. So here I am. So if you're watching and you're a creative <laughs> and somebody says, oh, I'm sorry, you don't get to be an actress. Oh, you don't get to go into the Olympics. Oh, you don't get to dance, you know, really for a profession. It's not really a profession. That just stuck with me. And I think it made me the type of person saying, you know what? Someday I want to call my own shots. Now, I didn't say that at 10 years old. <laughs> but as I grew up and started seeing that I wanted more and more freedom, you know, and creativity. And I think it stems back to starting with that little ice palace where Judy's mom said, no, you don't go. You don't do it. And she didn't say it with that attitude. <laughs> but I'm using it for the story purposes. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's part of my story. That was one little trauma. <laughs> so what I, what I hear and what I've heard from so many people, so many industry leaders is actually that they were um, – it's almost like they they sensed an opportunity or they saw an opportunity from someone else in some way, whether a friend was inspiring to them or something, yeah. but then they didn't have the chance to do to complete the opportunity. They didn't have a chance to jump on it. Yeah. And I really think that creates drive in people, don't you? Like it, it creates a drive. Like I want to do something with my life. I want to do something bigger. And so, you know, there are people with with really significant trauma and some people will be like, oh, not joining the ice capades isn't traumatic. But I think that that is what has given you, you know, a, gave you a drive because it was like you were given an opportunity, but it was not attainable because you were 10 years old and somebody yeah. was not was not encouraging you to right. go the full length, you know, into the ice capades. So I, I totally see how 
that that can be traumatic because it's like it was like a, a dangled carrot or an opportunity dangled in front of you that you weren't able to jump on right away. So I really appreciate that story, Lisa. Well, and you know what, Noelle, when you are that age, you know, you don't know what's going into your subconscious because when you're 10 and 11, or my experience of a little girl, was everything was just pretty uh, happy and things were fun and things were, you know, and your attention span goes, oh, I can't do the ice skate. Next, next, you know, teenagers, mm. same thing. We're going to clean our room. We're going to go and we're going to make money. And then they don't even pick up the phone and it's like next, next. So the focus is, it's interesting how you can have stuff just like not mean anything. But then when I was in my teens, then um, again, I started looking, I had a friend that got on Broadway and he did like West Side Story, you know, when I, my parents raised us watching the musicals and all that. So um, I, I was always like, oh gosh, I'm not on Broadway. I'm not thin enough to be a dancer. You know, I was little, it was like stupid, but you start saying, well, I can't really do that big thing. You know, you can't do that, but it's too big for that. But I'll, I'll yeah. do this thing over here. That's just, we kind of cut off our dreams uh, because we decide that I can't do it. You guys all know what's her name? Rhonda, Rhonda Robinson. She just did. Yeah. A, she's just in a movie with Ben. Hustle. Um, hustle. Ben, yeah. Hustle. And she's, she's just an extra, but she Adam just, Sandler with Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler. Thank you. Adam Sandler. I started to watch it last night. Cause and I text her and I said, where are you? She's standing up for a second. That's it. And she's going to want, she wants to get into SAG now and she's over 50 and she's like, I'm going to do this. So you, this stuff that sometimes someone says, you're not this, you can be that. You yes, can. you can. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that too, I just kind of want to, I want to carry that one a little bit further. Mm -hmm. So you had this episode, you know, this incident that happened when you're 10, started to shape everything. You go into your teens and you have a can-do attitude, but you're still kind of exploring it. How did you, how did you stumble into like personal professional development and all that? Was that in your early years? Like were your parents always kind of seeding that? Or is that something that you found on your own? And what was your entrance point there? Because yeah, I would love to know where that oh, that's a great. These are great questions. They weren't quite seeding it. And actually, you know, I grew up in the 70s and stuff, and uh, there wasn't personal growth. There was no personal development. I mean, there was maybe <clears throat> Zig Ziglar came out, what, in the 70s and 80s, and there was not a lot. You know, there really wasn't. Mm -hmm. But I think as a little teenager, I was in kind of the, you know, kind of hippie era and stuff, and my girlfriend, Debbie Jinx, <clears throat> we were always listening to, like, uh, you know, rock stars or poets and reading. We were always trying to discover we were creatives and I never wanted to be like anybody else. I noticed yeah. that there's something that came out of me. Like I had nail polish that was different. I didn't follow the same group in high school because I was always trying to get back over to the ice skating rink, meaning get it back over to the West side of Los Angeles for the dance classes. Nice. So, um, I think, I think for me, it, it was really, it was like just deciding that, um, there's more, there's more. My, now my parents were, because my mother was a full-time, she worked her own business. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a brother and sister that were older, but we were, you know, we were together. My brother was 10 years older, but my parents, my, both my parents watched Johnny Carson every night. Both my parents, they were religious about watching the Academy Awards. My parents religiously would go to Las Vegas. They didn't travel up, but they would go to Vegas, you know, and here I live in Vegas now. Isn't that ironic? But they would put us in front of shows and they, I, I went, I went to theater and I would go, you know, I would just, so that part of it was there. And, and here's another thing. My mom never had time to do a lot of stuff because she owned her own business. So guess what that did? That started to make me realize like, I don't want to be stuck. I mean, I want to have my own freedom, you know, to call my shots and I did it mm -hmm. in many ways. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's a theme there. I want to have freedom. 
I want to call the shots, seeking out more control over your life, the destiny and the, and the shape of your future. I love that. I don't know if I answered your question. I mean, actually, like in my in my uh, 30s, I really did get exposed to personal transformation companies, you know, where I really took on the, I went into a company called LifeSpring and like Landmark Forum. And so I started, oh, you know, following uh, Ernest Holmes from Science of the Mind and all of that. So it was always intriguing me because I just know that I was born creative. But when I saw the spiritual side of it, and LifeSpring was the spiritual, LifeSpring was more like mental, but it was helping you see like, how are you when you show up? That's the mm. thing. So if we have this, and I worked with Tony Robbins a lot. I was on his original teams in the 90s. They picked me to be in his, you know, date with destiny and, and what the fireworks and all that. When he had like 95 people in a private training and date with destiny, which now has 6,000 or 10,000. Right. Right. But, but yeah, exactly. But it's still the same principles. And, and it was really like being able to stretch and get to what is the other side you're trying to get to no matter what crap is in your way. And that's how I made it in Mary Kay. I only did that about five years, but I moved quickly in it because I was with Tony Robbins and here's this, you know, personal, uh, having your own business kind of thing that was kind of new for me. Yeah. I was a flight attendant before that. But the point is, is it was teaching me that, look, at you can change people's life. If you've got a vehicle, you know, something that you do. What did I ask you guys today? I was asking a bunch of questions before, like, what are you doing? What, where are you going with this? What do you want? You know, and it's like, yeah. these are questions that people need to ask in business to move, you know, move ourselves. Ourselves, we have to move by moving other people forward. So I'm going to take that a little deeper because I had a question and I think you're just starting to answer it now, but I want to stay here for a minute. Yeah. So you were doing makeup for people and you, you really made it in that industry and that helps people show up really well. And then you kind of went in, uh, into the voice industry to help people use their voice. And like yes. that helps people show up really well. Yes. And now yes. you're teaching people how to come alive on camera. So just because like, you know how to do makeup and you know how to use your voice really well, and you know how to come alive on camera, you're really excellent on camera on live video. Yeah. What inspires you? Like, why do you want to help other people do that? Where's the crossover between like, not just running your own business and doing it yourself to like wanting to help other people? Oh, it's awesome because you know what it does? Great question. Well, I love it. It's a mixture of everything growing up in Los Angeles. I loved when I grew up in those days. It was different those days. No traffic, whatever. So really what the transition was of why I help people, uh, you know, not just on their makeup and their voice and all that is because, you know, I was born in Hollywood. I'm from Los Angeles and I love theater and I love, you know, camera work. I've worked for major, major companies doing, you know, television production. And all of it leads back to, I think when I was a little kid at 10 years old with that little coach that wanted me to go to the Olympics and they said, no, you can't go. I'm like your secret weapon. I help you show up on camera. I help you land that triple axle of speaking. And somebody else call the shot. If you're good enough, do you sound good enough? Is your makeup good enough? Yeah. we got to have the lights. So we can't have these weird ass frog noises in the background, but <laughs> 
the point is, is that I, I love helping people dig deep of who they are. And let's create the show of you. This station is about motivation, right? What's motivation? It comes and goes, you know, but to have somebody believe in you, that's what I love. I love these kind of transformational coaching situations. That's amazing. So from a very early age, you recognized that there's a critical part. There's a critical role to play, not just in the saying, Hey, let's get you to the Olympics. Cause that's like a great coaching role. Right. But there's also a role for the person that's saying like, I'm going to help you get there. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to equip you so that you're prepared to go there when that coach says, let's go. Yeah. A lot of times too, people think they have to have permission for certain things. People think they have to mm. have permission. Mm. I'll give you, can I give you another quick, little quick story? This yeah. will also define me because I didn't know I was going to become a voice coach. I had no idea. At this point, I didn't know I was going to become, you know, uh, a makeup owner and, and transformational makeup speaker and all that. So I was auditioning to, uh, it really was an audition to be in the airlines. And in those days it was for TWA and they had thousands of people, you guys, thousands mm. of people at LAX lining up for the this thing. And I went in there and I nailed it with thousands of people. I got in this group. They picked me. They go, you're going to go to the interview. You're, I mean, you're done. We love you. Go for the fitting. We're going to weigh you and we're going to fit you for the, you know, the uniform. In those days they weighed you and all that. They didn't check my height, but they did weigh me. And they said, you're two pounds over. I weighed like 126, nothing. Right. They said, you're what? too much. Yeah. That's said, crazy. And they didn't say how hot, how tall I was. You know, I said, I wrote in the application five foot three. So then I was crushed. See a little <laughs> bit sensitive when somebody says you don't go see the pattern starts yeah. to come. You don't yeah. go, you don't get to go. So they say no. So within a couple of weeks, my dad hooks me up with another airline and he has me go into this interview for an airline, beautiful airline called Western airlines. It was a 60 year airline that Delta bought eventually when I left them, but that airline did, uh, did see how tall I was. And I was five, five and they weighed me and their scale said I was 126 something. And they also said they wanted you thinner. They said, sorry, you are three pounds. You're just three pounds over. Now I, that interview, I nailed it. They loved me, the voice, all of it go into that other room. And this woman does this, you know, this thing of weighing me and, you know, going to tell me, she says, I'm sorry, you're going to have to come back in six months. I went, I found my voice. You guys, I found my voice. I went, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I think I pushed her. I think I pushed her. Excuse me. With all this truck. Uh, no, 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 no. I do not weigh that. Now I'm on my period. I just had a molar taken. Now that is safe. <laughs> You've got to, I was begging, you've got to let me come in here. I will do anything, you know, I'll scrub your floors. I'll take your dog for a while. And I literally was in her face and she just was like, whoa, you know, she was kind of like this tough LA chick. And she's like, all right, listen. She's like, she did it. She had a little movement. She's like, all right, listen, you know, I'm going to lie right here, but you, you don't have that off in two weeks. He says, you're out of here. I'm like, oh my God, I love you. So I think that when I look back now, why do I, to answer your question, why do I do some of the things is that people don't, a normal or somebody not aggressive might go, okay, okay, oh, okay, I'll come back. Like they're, they're, and, and it's not that you, we don't want to do that. We just don't have the experience sometimes to know. Have you ever done something and you wished you hadn't? And you go, why didn't I speak up? Why, right. didn't, I, why didn't I ask for something? Right. right. And what just came to mind when you said that, Lisa, is like you said, oh, okay, okay, I'll come back. A lot of people wouldn't go back. In fact, no. they say, I'm not cut out for that. So I'm, yes. so I'm going to let go of that dream and, and settle, if you will, for something settle. that I don't yes. want. And so I, I see where you're coming from. I see the pattern and I love it. 
love yeah. it. Yeah. And you mentioned, I want to, I want to mention something too, that you said, because I think that it's really important and it's something that came up earlier today. So I'm glad you reminded me of it. And it's the importance of making sure that you're around mentors, people, communities that can hold the belief for you and see something in you that you may not fully see yet, but there's something about you. Mm. There's something about you Mm, that's powerful and that attracts people to you. It's your magnet thing. Like Noelle and I talk in our, in our trainings about what's your tinker talent, right? It's something that you're, you do naturally that you're not really aware of, but that's that thing that pulls people in. And what's really cool is that when you're in the right community and Mm -hmm. space with people who really are there to help you, they can see what it is and they know how to draw it out of you. And it's not a magic pill. It's not going to come out right away. It's something that develops over time and you develop your confidence along with it coming out. You got to be steeped in the right community in order for that to really evolve. Noelle and I, we did the seven levels of why. Mm. And when we went through that exercise and we were introduced to it by Dean Graziosi, Mm. and when we went through our seven levels of why independent of each other by the seventh one, it came down to the same thing. And it's Mm -hmm. that somebody was holding the belief of who we were becoming long before we were able to step into it and how powerful. And you mentioned that also in your story. And I just want people to know if you haven't found the right community to be in yet, Mm -hmm. we hope that, you know, as we're introducing you to these incredible people like Lisa, like if you need to find your voice, you need to find your confidence. You want to feel good about stepping into this next version of yourself. And you need somebody to hold that space for you. You're going to want to reach out to Lisa because she can help you do that, which is going to lead me into my next question, which is if you had to do it all over again, what would you have done differently? Knowing what you do now, how would you help somebody who wants to get from A to Z kind of, you know, minimize, shortcut that process? What would you have done differently to get to where you are right now? And how can you help people do that for themselves? Wow. That's a loaded question. Let me think if I was Mm -hmm. to do it over again. Um, You know what? When people ask that question, it's always one of those second guessing things like, oh, I probably would have stayed in Mary Kay and been uh, top national then. I might have stayed in the airlines and just kept flying Mm -hmm. around and playing and retired now. I might have, you know, done, uh, stayed with Tony Robbins more and done this and that. So I can't really answer that clearly. All I know is that uh, I might have not gotten married so quickly to my second husband. (laughs) you know, give it up. I mean, seriously, if you start going down that route, you know what, Uh, then we're, then we're doomed. It really is. Cause I have too much on my plate right now to realize what the better question for me is that based on where you're at right now and your past, what are you committed to causing now? Because that is, that is one of the things I got out of the whole Tony Robbins thing is what about now the live spring training and some of the, the more heavy stuff they did do, they did do an exercise. Like why they did an exercise that badgered you. You had a partner and it was like, what do you want? And you'd say, I want a nice house. What do you want? I want to have this. What do you want? And you had to go deeper and deeper, deeper, deeper until you got finally down to what do you really want? I want freedom. You know, I want help. Mm, So I think, I think the main thing I can, you know, I can get upset of what I could have done different, but it's better to look at what do I love right now? You know, and what can I do to keep improving? I know it sounds corny, like, oh, it's it's improving. Yeah, and I do look back and say, hey, I could have, of course I should have changed that up. Mm -hmm. What's it going to do, make you feel good? Oh, of course I should have gone to the Olympics. But, you know, I want to share that. That's a great question. I I, I heard this thing today about uh, Yale in 2017. 
you know, they always talking, especially about using your voice, you know, and speaking and stuff. They're always saying that, you know, that the that words are only 8% and that the rest is physiology, right? Mm. Well, Yale did a test and they found out that people can lie sometimes on their physiology. They can lie with their words. They can say, they can be going through a divorce or going through a shitty day, get on the camera and go, oh, I'm just a happy camper, you know, and I'm that, this and that. But what they can't lie with, they found in the study, and this was something Yale did, that they can't lie on the sounds coming out of them. So the sounds oh. coming out of you, I, I have like, a lot of, Like I have, the tone? Is yeah, that what you tones, the way you're breathing. Yeah. Your shortness yeah. of breath, you can say, yeah, I'm really happy today. If you were to study the sounds, see the sounds of successful speakers can breathe. They know how to breathe. They know how to pause. Mm -hmm. And um, it's hard to fake it. You can still, you can try with your body language. And of course you can, you know, that's the point is your physiology, but how the sounds coming out of you, that's what I coach on is so how are those sounds coming out of you? And there's mm. many ways to move the, them up. And I think if you look at that question you were asking me about, if I could look to my past and what, what, how did I, I always think, do you ever think about this? How did I sound at 19? What did I sound like at 30, you know, or 25 or whatever you, in your brain, you don't think that you think I'm just a human being, no matter, you know, my kid three years old, you go, well, she's three years old. just doesn't mean anything. You're connected, but our brain sometimes can just like mess with us. But if you have the sound of success, what does passion sound like? So that when mm. people are listening to you, they want, you know, the, the problem right now is we've got three seconds for people to jump in. If right. we're not on it on what our past is eating us up over, or we're not motivated, we feel flat. How do we break these patterns? How do we create new ones that really are badass that work for us? I kind of loaded that. Sorry, I don't know if I answered your thing. Well, and it's also, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here listening to, to what you're, what you're answering and what you're saying, and there's so much truth to that. And I know that's what you do, and you do so much more than that too. So, guys, if you're interested, like Lisa is just passionate about helping people show up strongly and powerful, powerfully, and and finding their voice. Um, and the breathing thing, like I'm often reminded when I'm on camera, I'm often reminded of things that Lisa has, has said to me, take a drink of water, take a deep breath, pause, don't yeah. just keep rambling on, you know, because it, your, your speech will actually affect how people are hearing, um, hearing it. So those pauses are actually very important, especially after you drop something important too. Yeah. Like one of right. my stories that I share often is about my father, right. Mm -hmm. And about how he died a week before Christmas due to suicide. And, but it's a part mm -hmm. of my, my, uh, children's book story, my authorship story and about my process of healing. But what happens because I've, and you probably do deal with this a lot with people because I'm used to sharing the story. Incidentally, that was one of my ways to start to move through it being less triggering, hot tip for anybody suffering right now. Talk therapy is really helpful with a trusted person, but because I've spoken through this story so much, it doesn't have that same triggering effect. So I can drop the details, but somebody else is hearing that for the first time and they're not mentally prepared to hear that. And you just can't do a, you know, a drive-by on that. You got to stop, let it land for somebody or their second brain narratives going off and they're missing what the point of that was afterwards. Mm -hmm. So that pause is so powerful, right? Lisa, no, you fact, you just, when you, you're per, pure example, you just told that story right now. And you know, my dad died of suicide. I did it. I went, what, what, what? Stop. When my dad yeah. died of suicide, stop. 
then da da da. Even though you're healed, it's fine. You're completely healed. But remember that if you are telling a story like that on suicide or or what you know overdose or whatever, when he OD'd, then this is what happened. But you know, hey, I'm, well, I'm healed from it. But people don't. They just go. They're they're almost like you know on automatic because. And I think what we've talked about before, and I'm not sure if this was with you, Lisa, or with someone else, but Charlene and I have what we've talked about before is Charlene has been dealing with that for years, and so she knows the story very well. But to those who may have heard it for the first time, right. they need a moment. So even like considering how the listeners. Um, hearing it for the first time. But what I wanted to say was you wouldn't be you without the process. You didn't yeah. show up. You didn't become an overnight success. You didn't show up. And one day Tony and Roger Love and Brendan Bouchard were on your doorstep saying, Hey, Lisa, you've <laughs> made it. Please come and help our crew. Yeah. It was a process. You, you know, you started with one tribe and then you went to Mary Kay and then you, you got asked to join another, you know, another coaching circle and, and on and on. And so it builds, right? It's a process and it's yeah. not an overnight thing. And that's really what we want to do on the Become Revolutionary show is highlight that process that it's not always, in fact, I would, I would argue it's not ever an overnight success. And so um, I appreciate hearing your process and I appreciate how you've come, how you've come to where you are today. I, I do have one, one, yeah. I want to add one little tiny thing, what you're saying, because we have so much energy all of us. It's so cute. <laughs> I was thinking as you were speaking and when Noelle was, I mean, when uh, Charlie was talking about the suicide thing, also another uh, tip on when you're speaking, you think of, uh, you don't usually think of fight or flight, but what, what a fight or flight is what? It's where you feel like you're in danger, right? It's like that, is it the vagus nerve? There's a section of the brain that says something's wrong here. We've got to, you know, we've got to move away from it. And a lot of people get that stage fright or interview fright, flight or dating flight, you know, fight or flight, like, oh, mm. it's going to hurt too hard. And you know what? you to use it for your speaking is great. Meaning if you, if you can stop them with a pattern interruption in some way, it can be funny. It can be crazy. So much more. They go, wait a minute. What? They're stopping me, stopping me not to, to be hurt, but they're stopping me. That's the fight or flight nerve that you go, wait, well, I want to make sure she's okay here. She crazy. Is she, is she fun. This girl, oh, is she going to like lose it? Or, you know, why do we watch people that we don't know what they're going to say? Like comedians right. we're like, or we watch the same movie over and over again. Or I'll watch like Sebastian Maniscalco is my favorite comedian. Right. And I've seen this five times on Netflix, all of them. And I go, I'm going to go back again. Cause he's going to hit that nerve. And I'm going to go, I don't know what he's going to say, but Oh, he made me feel good. That's fight or flight. I love that. Actually, I've got a follow-up question. Has I point <laughs> jabbing at the camera? Wait, they're going. Okay, as extroverted as I am, yes. and I've been on many stages in my life in different roles, but being on the stage of me in my own body, in my own voice, yes. oh my goodness. I remember being at Toastmasters, standing up in front of everybody and feeling like I was going to have a heart attack on the spot. No. Just even thinking about leaving and walking up front, even though I was well-prepared, well-dressed, you know, I know all the psychological things, get yourself ready to actually go on stage, but to actually physically stand there, I start shaking. My knees would start to go weak. I'm like, I'm going to drop before I even get to the stage. I got to the stage, my throat's drying. I'm like, why is it so dry right now? I get there. I was sweating profusely. I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody can tell my heart's pounding. I'm like, I feel emotional. I'm like, what is the problem? Why am I going into such a panic mode when I'm just going to be sharing 
right? And it wasn't even something emotionally charged that I was sharing. But I'm like, what was that? Why was I so scared to be in my own voice? And again, I'm extroverted. It's not like I'm an introvert naturally. Right. I'm extroverted. I love talking to people. These are people that I know. Why do people experience that, Lisa? Like, what is that? And like, how can be, I, I went through my own journey of overcoming it, but I would love to hear from you how you help people get past it. Because we know that using the camera right now, especially in this time of spreading your message, mission, product, letting people connect with the brand of you, through yeah. you, your heart has to be through the camera. They have to just connect with you that way. It's just so much more powerful. You'll keep them long-term because they actually care about you. You're building a relationship. But if you can't even turn on the camera without having a heart attack, there's a problem. So how do you get to that point? Because I have there? a heart attack listening to you share this without breathing. <laughs> you just shared that story as if you were there without breathing. I'll tell you how you get through it. Number one, that day, I'm sure I am positive. I can bet Vegas odds. You were not breathing properly. Number one, number two, you were in your head of what you even said. It wasn't even that important, but it was in your head. As you were talking, your body was moving. You go, Lisa, what is that? Here I was standing at the thing. We actually could feel how you were that day, how you were explaining it. Do you notice? When you watch watch this film again, you hear it. But I think to answer your question, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like Tony Robbins thing on doing the fire walk. To get on the other side of 15 feet of burning coals, you got to know what's on the other side. So if you're going to speak up, uh, I had a friend that spoke at Toastmaster. He had me come in and kind of watch the whole thing. And I didn't like the feedback they were giving them. They were trying to chop it up and trying to make it stiff and trying to get the get rid of the ohms and all this stuff. I got in the parking lot. I said, you know what? I don't like what they told you at all. I go, I don't like it. I go, you need to talk. You've got to learn to talk, okay? You were doing a speech. You were trying to get the crap things with the, the ums and the ahs and the whole thing. It's too stiff. And I think for you also, and most speakers, they're not prepared, okay? They're not prepared performers. All performers are prepared. All actors, speakers, singers, all singers are nervous before they get on the stage, you know, speakers. So how much did you walk the room that day when no one was in the room? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't How much did room. you actually feel the chairs go in there and just kind of, did you go in there and just kind of talk a bit? Did you pick up your phone earlier and just talk into it on the way there in your car? Say, I'm just going to talk to myself. Okay, you guys, this is what I'm going to do. Not like you're rehearsing it exactly. You're getting it out of the, the you know, look at us today. We had how many takes before we went live? Because we had glitches. <laughs> that was crazy. A lot of I people can't crazy. even concentrate on it. And did we have a script? No. Are we saying the same things that have to be perfect? Even you said, oh, God, Debye, it's so long. I'm just going to cut this down a bit. (laughs) People, because people aren't willing to get messy enough and, but be prepared. So I think to answer your question, and and here's a big one, the number one, people are scared of being judged. That is just not good enough. They're not going to like it. Oh, I'm not, I'm not as good as like, you know, Oprah or, or, you know, whoever you love. And they start getting into this thing. You have to own it, but you own it by rehearsing, being coached, by practicing and by messing up and not caring about it. You know, you learn from it though. Don't keep doing bad habits. I've seen people do 31 day challenge and go live for 31 days. I've seen people suck for 31 days. They didn't change nothing. Oh, they feel more comfortable. Yeah, well, they their voice sucks. I'm just listening. They're boring, okay? They got to change it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Sorry. Okay. Oh. Lisa, talking about preparedness and not being prepared, we have something for you that you don't even know about. We do seven <laughs> like questions here at the end of every episode, and I... 
I'm going to give you five seconds to take a deep breath and prepare for my rapid fire questions. <laughs> Tell me when you're ready. Oh my God. You had six questions on the application that I did a whole job <laughs> last night. What? You guys are so prepared of your questioning. All right. Hit it, mama. Go ahead. You guys are going right. what they're going to ask me. Oh Lord. Let's go. Let's go. They're fun. They're fun. They're just fun. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Best subject at school. Dance. Worst subject at school. Math. Okay. One piece of advice you'd give your young self. Get on Broadway. What scares you? Uh, illnesses. Hmm. Cats or dogs? Oh, God. Dogs. The best. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's something you don't like doing? What don't I like doing? Oh, let me think. Oh, I don't like cleaning floors. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> me either. That's awesome. Sunrise or sunset? Oh, God. Sunset. Yes. Awesome. It depends on what I'm doing, okay? I can sunrise. vouch for that. Sunrise I can vouch for that. Sunrise would be kind of cool. You can stay, you know, in bed till sunset. <laughs> and in, like, I don't know, seven words or less, what is success for you? Oh gosh. Uh, success for me is calling the shots, using your voice unapologetically and having a blast doing it. Oh, that was awesome. good. So good. Mic drop. Yeah. Mic High drop. Fives. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for sharing all of those incredible gems today for our listeners. How can everybody get in touch with you? Oh, this has been so great. Thank you so much. Well, I have a couple ways that you can get in touch with me. Definitely come on over to Facebook and come into our group. It is so amazing. It's helping you like come alive on camera. Well, guess what it's called? Come alive on camera <laughs> at Facebook versus not being alive. You want to come alive. So that's a beautiful group. You can go in there and rehearse. You can go live anytime you want. I have a free, beautiful gift for you in there. A couple gifts. I have a gift for a masterclass. I'm showing you the art of speaking on short form videos so you can get this message out in under 60 seconds i also have a checklist in there to help you know exactly if you're new if you're new to doing videos on facebook or instagram or or even you know anywhere you're doing live videos now is i have a checklist to show you what you should be doing so that's in facebook group come alive on camera and then i have a great program right now that you would love and it is a 16 day 10x accelerator so you're literally going to accelerate how you sound your voice i'll be working working personally with you. And you'll also be able to go through many, many lessons that are fabulous for speaking up. And that is come alive on camera.com forward slash 10 X now. So come alive on camera.com forward slash 10 X now. And if you'd like to personally just reach out to me in the DMS, I would love to answer any questions for you. If you feel like you're stuck, I do discovery calls too and find out what's going on with you. What can we do to help you bring this story out even more magnificent? No, matter what level you are, no matter if you're an introvert or extrovert, everyone needs to have that Olympic coach helping you, taking you to that level. So come oh, I, I, I can vouch for Lisa. I'm a part of her community too. And Lisa's just got a really thriving community, um, really helping people get out of their own way, find their voice and speak up. Um, so yeah, you guys, if, if anything's holding you back, you just want to explore this more, you want to know how to show up much better. You have to go check out our community. And when you do tag me in there and say hello. And for now, we're going to love you and leave you. We will see you next week. And in the meantime, remember we're stronger together. We go further 
faster. Keep showing up and be revolutionary, my friends. Bye-bye. <laughs>